This is the Jail Ministry Podcast. The J-A-I-L, or Jesus Acts and Inmates Lives Ministry, is Christ-centered and provides programs focused on the prevention and intervention for the incarcerated. Jail Ministry also provides support to offenders, criminal justice professionals, victims, and their families. Thank you for your continued financial assistance. For more information, visit jailmen.org. Now, here's today's lesson. Good afternoon, guys and gals. My name is Kevin McCarthy. I'm excited today to get into Scripture, dig into Scripture, and study John chapter 11, the death and resurrection of Lazarus. It's an incredible story, amazing story, and the more you look into it, the more you look into the impossibility of someone coming to life after being dead for four days, you'll truly appreciate God's Word. You know, my wife and I, our favorite TV shows are I Survived and I Shouldn't Be Alive. And the reason we like these stories is they all center around amazing rescues, amazing survival stories, someone that f- falls into the ocean and, and is in the ocean for 21 days being chased by sharks, and there's people who are attacked by bears and have to crawl out of the wilderness takes them a day and a half to get out and they barely make it. And there's other amazing stories about people crashing planes in the wilderness too. So if you get a chance, watch those shows because they really are a great example of God's grace, how God chooses his people and how he saves his people physically. And when you watch them, you'll think, how could these people not give all glory to God? And we always, we, we watch these shows that out of probably 10 survivors, Maybe one says, when they ask, how did you survive? They'll say, well, God was looking over me. So let's not forget God, and let's look at God, what God is going to do in this story. Now, it's quite long. I'm going to start with 11.1. I'm going to read through it um, halfway, go to some comments on this, and some Bible verses. And if you have time, I want you to go to the study, read it once today, and read it again tomorrow. Let it sink in. Now, just before this, Jesus was being threatened by the Pharisees, and they wanted to stone him. They wanted him dead. And I think Jesus, through the Father, through God, is going to do this miracle to really show that he is God. And remember, we are in the series of the great I Am's. So this I Am is I Am, the great shepherd and resurrector. So let's start out again. 11.1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Hmm. So they're kind of wondering, what is he talking about? Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. They're very tight. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed there two days longer in the place where he was. Now I would be wondering if I was one of the the apostles or one of the people in the story, why is he waiting? We, We have to get there as soon as possible. He could die any moment. So they were perplexed and kind of questioning, why did he wait? Well, we'll see. He wants to prove 
that he is God, his deity, his God-like character. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judas, go to Judea again. The disciples said to Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going to go there again? So he's going right into the face of danger, right into the face of the people that want to kill him. And they really want to kill him because Jesus is the Son of God, and they believe that they have the answers. They believe that they are the way through all their laws, and they are very arrogant and very prideful. But Jesus is not going to back down. He then says in verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. So light being life, darkness being death, which he has also spoke about in many of these earlier chapters of the book of John. Then he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. Hmm. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, they're, they're, they're confused. They're not, they don't understand that asleep means he'll be dead. So, now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So he's proving, he's going to prove that he can do anything. This is the same Jesus that is the creator of the world, who created everything. So let's see what else he can do. Verse 16, Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that, so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he'd already been in the tomb for four days. Now the Jews usually didn't have their burial ceremonies until three days because some people, at rare occasions, some people have heart problems, they appear to be dead, and rare, rarely it has happened. I've read some I Survive stories about people coming back a day or half a day later that were more or less still alive but breathing very slowly. So they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, so pretty close, just down the mountain from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, remember, was a holy city with a temple on top of the hill. Okay. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Hmm. Verse 22, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So look at Martha. She's got faith, doesn't she? She's faith that Jesus can do whatever God ordains him to do. She has the most faith of anyone here right now. So then Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. What wonderful promise. You, your brother will rise again. Kind of like we, when we die, if we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ, we will rise again with the Savior. So all this is pointing to God, to Jesus Christ, and to someday our resurrection. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So she knows. She believes in Jesus when Jesus spoke about the resurrection of the dead. Jesus said to her, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, 
will live even if he dies. So put a mark by that verse. That's actually the verse of this raising Lazarus story. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes me will live even if he dies. That's a great promise, something that we all need to live with. Even when things are going bad, even when you've been in jail, you get your uh, request turned down, your attorney's pushing things back, the jail's putting things back, you're sitting here going, what's going on? How much longer do I have to wait? Put your trust and faith that no matter what, Jesus will restore life if we believe. So verse 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe that? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. What faith from Martha. What incredible faith. When she said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, the teacher's here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. She came right away. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her. When they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him, fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She pleads. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. He's showing that he's son of God, but the son of man. He has compassion. He has empathy. He cares for the Martha. He cares for Mary. He cares for Lazarus. Verse 34, he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Now, verse 35, the shortest, shortest statement by Jesus in the Bible. Two words. Jesus wept. And that says it all. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? Hmm. They knew about the, the blind man, his, faith, his sight being restored. And they're wondering, could, could this man Jesus do it? So Jesus, again being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. The tombs at those times were carved into rock. Must have taken many weeks to do that. Carved into the rock so it was like a cave that was protected from the elements. So he was inside of the cave. So Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb and there, there was a stone lying against it. Jesus said in verse 39, Remove the stone. It's a strong command now. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead for four days. Now, I was thinking about this. Lazarus has been dead for four days. And I looked up, I knew there were a lot of cells in the body. Do you know there are 30 to 40 trillion cells in your body? 30 to 40 trillion. You can't even put that number on paper. It's so large. But think about this. Every one of those cells, when there is death, the cell shrinks up, more or less evaporated, goes from a large shape into almost nothing. 
hate to be gross, but think about driving by that deer that was recently hit on the side of the road. And you see it the first day, it looks pretty normal. Second day, it's starting to kind of look pretty decrepit. Third and fourth day, man, it's looking really bad. You can see flies on it. You can tell it really, you can, if you have a window open, you tell it, it's going to stink. Well, same thing with human bodies. We're no different. So Lazarus being in there for four days, I've obviously had, had to be a stench. That's the word I have. Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead for four days. Verse 40, Jesus said to it, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. That took a few people, actually five or six people, to move a heavy stone. Roll the stone away from the tomb. So they removed the stone, and Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me, that God sent me. When he'd heard these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Wow. It's the most amazing, most incredible miracle of all. He comes forth out of the grave. He's walking. He's moving. Blinking his eye. He can see. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary saw what he had done, believed in him. Isn't that what he's really trying to do? He's trying to share his glory, show the magic, the, 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 I'm sorry, the amazing power of God so that others may believe. And ultimately, he wants to point to him being resurrected from the cross after being dead over three days. So many believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. Isn't that the way it is? If you're sharing the the gospel or telling the good news about Jesus Christ, you'll find if you've got a group of five people, after five or ten minutes, there'll be one or two that kind of roll their eyes and say, oh, i got to take care of something here, or they flat out just leave. They, they don't want to hear it. So some came to him, some left. Let's look at what we'll call the commentary, some comments on this amazing miracle. These events set the context for the great I am. So when Jesus says, he says, I am the resurrection and life. I am. That is pointing to his deity, to his majesty as the son of God. He, he waits for Lazarus to die. He did that. Um, and I said before, Jewish custom, they would wait for four days to prove that the person was really dead. Okay. It's significant. It's a Jewish tradition. Jesus postpones his return until there be no hope. No hope at all. Or explanation, a resurrection by any means other than a miracle. So it had to be a miracle. It couldn't have been some kind of fluke or he just fell asleep. Jesus wants to put that aside if the Pharisees hear this story. He arrives at the scene he confidently tells everyone that Lazarus will rise again. Um, the Bible does teach a future physical physical resurrection, 
But he's not speaking about the future at this time. He's saying, I am the resurrection life. Point to himself. Once again, Jesus brings a focus of his audience to himself and not to other things. He's going to talk about, wasn't Lazarus a great guy? I remember the time Lazarus and I um, witnessed to these people or Lazarus back when he was so many years old and how did he die or whatever. He wants to show that he is the source and power of resurrection. Nothing else. He didn't put any ointment on him, any herbs on him. No. Just by his command. The voice of God. I love that. He says, what does he say again? Come. He says, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Three words. Lazarus, come forth. And that's the power of God's word. Jesus demonstrates the veracity of his unspeakable claim by calling Lazarus from the grave. In many ways, the Bible, it speaks of this. If Christ is life, then why do his followers need physical death? Now, we all die. The soul that sins, it shall die. We die because Adam and Eve, they disobeyed. They disobeyed the Father God. They disobeyed his command. When they ate, when they they had the same, they ate and disobeyed, they had the same sin problem that all of us have. We all want to make up our own rules, and we're all rebels. We all have our sense of pride of what we want to do, when we want to do it. And that's the problem today. Especially today, people want something, they want to do it the way they want to do it. Well, it's a problem, that's why we die. We die because of sin. And so, we see also, Jesus gives when our hearts, what he gives when our hearts are regenerated by the Holy Spirit. What he gives when the Holy Spirit comes into these people's lives like Martha and Mary, we see this faith, don't we? We couldn't, we couldn't make the words up. They believed and God had sent the Holy Spirit into their hearts. One that is born again, one that is regenerated, they have new life. Remember, whoever is in Christ, whoever is in Christ, a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come. So, the new spiritual life is not destroyed by physical death, but continues beyond the grave, and must be applied physically at the last day. So, I take great hope and great peace within, and comfort. There's not enough feelings and comfort and words that express how great that will be that we will be restored with the Savior at the last time when he comes back. And what a wonderful promise. We see bad things happening today. We see wars. We see evil. Terrible things. Rapes and abuse. Lord, we just see so many things. And we're thinking there has to be something better. And there will be a lot better. Infinitely better. Eternal life with, with, with the Savior. So Think about this. The resurrection of Christ is the most important event recorded in history. So Jesus coming to life four days, three days later after his resurrection is the greatest story. And I'm going to read this to you because, you know, a lot of people forget what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. There's many stories that are the good news. But let me read to you kind of a summary of what the gospel is. And 
you guys y'all should also write this down. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 3. 15, 3 through 8. This is what the story of Jesus is about. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Okay? It says first importance. He died for our sins. That's the most important thing. He died. He paid the price for our sins. He redeems us. He pays the price. Verse 4. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Now, Muslims don't believe that he came back three days later. They don't believe he was buried and came to life. Huge difference. They'll say, oh, he was a great teacher. But not that he was the son of God and that he was resurrected. So here's where Paul, he wants to make sure that you know this isn't some isolated story that maybe only a handful of people witnessed. He's going to say, and then, okay, so after he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Verse 5, show me the proof. And that he appeared to Cephas, who's Peter, then to the twelve apostles. Verse 6, after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep or have died. Wow, 500 people. You can't, can't really make that up. You can't have a conspiracy with 500 people telling them, hey, let's make this story up about Jesus going to the tomb and, and seeing him resurrected. You can't make this up. You can't make up a, a scam story like that. It's going to fall, fall apart. So 500 people witnessed it. And then verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles. All of them. Verse 8, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. And that person is Paul, who persecuted Jesus Christ, persecuted his followers, but was untimely born. He was born again. He was brought to the light of Jesus Christ. And he writes that statement. And verse 14 talks a little bit about the faith and promise that we have. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, put a tab by that. I'll continue with that. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. So think about that. If Christ had not raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith is also faithless. It's, in, it's vain. There's, there's no faith at all. There's nothing to rest the promise on. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. It is in fact the dead are not raised. So if you don't believe that God raises from the dead, then we don't believe in any resurrection at all. Verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. He's, see, Paul is trained in law. He's laying out the case for Jesus Christ. He's laying down. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're also still in your sin. Then, chapter, verse 18, then those who've fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Those who've died have perished. If we've hoped in Christ in this life only, 
we are all the men most to be pitied. So, if we hope in Christ in this life only, if we don't believe in the resurrection of the life to come, then we must be pitied. We're losing out. We're missing out. Okay? Let's say you're 30 years old right now. Maybe you got, you're lucky. You got 60 more years to live. If you're thinking, oh man, 60 years? Sounds like a long time. Wait till you're 60. It's only 30 years left. It goes fast. So I'm pleading to you right now. Don't waste the gospel. Don't waste this incredible story of Jesus Christ. Turn to him. Repent and turn to him and he alone. Some other really important things to, to think about this. Um, why again is the resurrection so important? Why is it central? It's really central to our belief as Christians. If we don't believe in the resurrection, like Paul says, then there's no hope. You're, you'll be pitied. He says, he says, he shows his deity, now, shows his godness, and shows that he is God. And that's something, you know, we, we think, how could this man walk the earth? How could he be God? Well, I think the thing that gives me the most incredible hope that he is God is when I see all of the wonderful creation around us, all the different animals, all the different people, the sky, the moon, the stars. And I think, oh, those can't. Those can't be evolved from, we don't come from a monkey or from a raccoon. It has to be God's plan to create all this. Those 30 to trillion cells in your body, how would those just kind of come together randomly? It, it, it can't happen. It can't happen. Only someone who creates can resurrect. Think about that. Only one who creates can resurrect. So, if you don't believe that Jesus created the earth and created man and created all the animals, then you can't. There's no way you can believe in eternal life with Jesus Christ through the resurrection, through faith. You can't. It's a sad place to be. It's a very sad world right now that so many people in the world right now are secular. They're atheists. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And they certainly don't believe in the Holy Spirit who can open our eyes. So be grateful that you're reading, this, reading the Bible right now. I know you're in jail right now, but be grateful that you have God's Word here. And hopefully God's Word is opening your eyes. And if they are open, I know that the reason you turn back to God's Word First of all, you love God's word. But second of all, we become sanctified. We, became, we become made more like him by the Holy Spirit through prayer, through worship, through church services, through reading our Bible, through meditating in God's word. That's the way we become stronger Christians. We kind of, our walk starts down here when we are born again. It goes up. A lot of times it falls down. We have thoughts we don't want to think about. We, we get arguments. We say words we shouldn't say. We fall away. But then we hear a sermon. We go watch a sermon. We pray. We read the Bible. And we start rising. It's an, on, it's an onward growth progress until we die. Really to become more like Him. And, that, and that's what we all, we all aspire to that. That's, 
We all have those problems. Everyone here is a pastor, everyone who's, a, who's in the prison ministry, we all have those moments where we kind of fall away. We just go, we, we, we can't, we're not there. We're not with it. And that's why we come together. So I really advise and admonish you to come together with your fellow inmates that love God's word, who are Christians. Come together, two, three, four, read the word, speak about, speak, talk about the Bible. And a couple closing thoughts there. There's no resurrection apart from Christ. Think about that. There's no way you are saved and you are redeemed and you are restored but through Jesus Christ. The only way. Okay? And I think this verse, really, really simple, explains what we've been talking about. John 10.9. John 10.9. I think we were over that... Uh, when we talked about Jesus being the door. But it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Think about that. How simple. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. So Jesus is the door. And he says, our next lesson next week will be John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So we're going to dig into that verse. Get into that verse. Really look at it. But think about that. He is the way. He's the only way. As I said before, some religion, some faith, it's by Mary and Christ. So Christ and Jesus on the cross, but also Mary. That can't be. It can't be. It's by Grace alone, faith alone, in Christ alone, not Mary alone. Okay? So lastly, do you know where you're going? you know where you're going when you die? Have you thought about that? Do you want to change? Are you embarrassed about some of the things you did? Do you feel shame? Do you wish that you could change things and live another life? Well, guys and gals, repent and turn to Jesus and confess your sins and begs for salvation. Thank you very much. I'll see you all next week.